Hey, welcome to the Praise Zone. We're going to do announcements real quick. Uh, we hope you're doing good. Alex, are you doing good? Yes. I'm doing good, too. Thank you. Uh, so, Sorry, of- I meant... Uh, <laughs> yes, how are you? None taken. Okay. Um, I've got a couple of things this week. Two sort of standing up comedy shows. Oh. One is at Divine Comedy. I am headlining doing you know, 25 or so minutes at the Speakeasy on 51st Street here in Oklahoma City at uh, at 9 o'clock this Wednesday. And after that, you can catch me on Saturday at The Root at 6 o'clock. I'll be performing uh, a comparable amount of time on a showcase there. Uh, come, drink, uh, come drink beers or wines and... And if you like laughing, uh-huh. don't uh, – well, you, you, fe- you came to the right place because I'm doing it up there good. Alex, what are you up to? Uh, on August 11th, I'm doing Grown Up Fun in Stillwater. Uh, the, there are two shows, one at 6.30, one at 9. The early show is going to be PG, so it'll be me stumbling through a lot of attempted clean comedy. And then uh, the Wait. show at – a show called Grown Up Fun is clean. And then the show at nine <laughs> will be R-rated, so you'll get to hear all my good jokes. Oh. Because I'm a hack who can't work clean. All grown up fun. Yeah. There it is. I'll, I'll be doing uh, and between 12 and 15 minutes. You, you say where and when? Uh, that is at a place in Stillwater. I still don't know. I haven't been told yet. Um, but you know, uh, if you're in Stillwater, you'll hear about it and, uh, follow me on Twitter to find out where it's going to be. I'm sure I won't forget to tweet about it. That's right. It's not a very big town. Right. Uh, and then also in Austin, the, the following weekend, I'm going to be Texas. That is, yeah, Texas. That is, I'm going to be rolling on through to the other side. (laughs) What side is that? The Austin, Texas side. And on that side, I'll be doing two shows. Um, I will be doing uh, Chortle Portal on Saturday night. Um, I'm not sure when that starts. Uh, and then I'll be doing uh, Cider House Rules on the 17th, the Friday night. Mm-hmm. And that starts at 8 at Austin East Ciders. So, Austin friends, make sure you go to that one. Cyber House Rules. No. <laughs> that's not okay that's not what no Cider. austin east cybers up here sure. we just have the outsiders yep <laughs> holy shit just yeah. a cyberpunk patrick swayze vehicle wow two bit is named eight bit god <laughs> <laughs> stay iridescent uh Pimp metal. <laughs> pony boy. Uh, it's pony boy spelled P W N three. Damn. Damn. And that's all the announcements. <laughs> Damn y'all. Yeah. Um, we're, we're out of announcements. I just want to do some brief housekeeping stuff real quick. If you listen to this show a lot and you haven't reviewed or rated, maybe now's the time. Maybe we deserve it from you if you keep listening to this show for free. I don't know. 
Um, it would be a kind thing for you to do. I'm not trying to put you out or whatever. Come on, come on over to iTunes.com, the website, and give us five stars and and give us a give us a review. Also, if you'd like to, you could donate to our Patreon if you love us that much more. That's patreon.com slash gtm. And if you want to interact with us further, you can go to the praisedown at gmail.com to be featured on a mailbag episode. Sorry? You can be featured on the mailbag segment before each episode. There we Thank go. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. So t- uh, tonight we have an episode for you uh, with our good friend Anna Dore. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit of gospel tonight. And uh, we really hope you enjoy it. Let go your burdens to the Christian That's the praise down. Whoa! Wow, we really should really talk about how we start these. Yeah, we came we came in too hot, and I'd like to apologize to all mm-hmm. of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I would not like to. Fair. Uh, welcome to the praise down, the kindest but fir- uh, fairest Christian music review show on the internet. Uh, I'm Heath Huffman. I'm not a Christian boy. I'm Alex Sanchez. I'm also not technically a Christian. But we're both nice. That's true. And with us this week, uh, we have an English grad student, a part-time comedian. And wouldn't you know it, a full-time poet, Anna Dory. Hi. Hi. I'm Anna. Um, I am a Christian if my parents are asking. Mm-hmm. If they are not asking, I am not a Christian. Hey, I get it. Yeah. Fair. My, my parents don't know where the podcast button is, so I'm not a Christian <laughs> on this show. I will not friend my dad on Facebook. It's just that request has been sitting in there for years now. <laughs> I'm going to keep it that way. Do you get to creep That's his good. profile, see if he's like putting any good pics up? No, I don't, I'm not interested in him. He's kind of boring. That's fair. Your family's nice. They can be. They can be. Your sister came to a sauced open mic one time. Oh, yeah, she did. (laughs) That's it. And what happened? Nothing. I saw her, and she was like, hey, and I was like, hey, and then we did not interact any further. She saw saw my set, and I think I joked about abstinence, and I don't think she was into it. Uh, it, it, Kara, she's cool. I think she's definitely still very Christian, but, but she's like a cool Christian. Hell yeah. I always say she's like the version of me that's still Christian and isn't depressed. Oh, damn. That's my sister. (laughs) That's how my sister is. Cool. Toward me. I love that. I'm sorry you are both depressed. That's okay. (laughs) Well, that was a nice thing. We high-fived. So, Anna, let's let's get started uh, with Talk and the Walk. Let's talk the walk. Talk the walk. So, Anna, how's your walk? With God? Yeah. Well, my sister asked me the other day if I was still a Christian, and I told her, I just try not to think about it right now. <laughs> yeah, you're in school. You got stuff to do. Yeah, I'm a little busy mm-hmm. for God at the moment. Yeah, you're, you're doing too much thinking as it is. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's always interesting as an English major, we read a lot of texts that challenges us or, you know, whatnot with Christianity. And so, I mean, I'm always thinking about it. 
Um, my family's still very religious, so I go to church when, with them when they ask me to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I still actually really like Life Church. Life Church is a cool church. Okay. Um, and people who don't like it are wrong. Okay. I actually have very wow. strong arguments hey, for Life Church. You are the first Life Church liker. That's that true. We've yeah, on. we've had a lot of people talking a lot of shit on Life Church. Mm, okay, then let me give you my argument um, for too. Life us Church. Us too. Yeah, please go. Okay, so here's why Life Church is actually pretty good. Um, so he does very practical messages. Um, when I grew, I've grown, grew up in many different types of youth groups. Um, so I've been in Baptist, I've been in Church of Christ, I've been Catholic, I've done all of it. Um, and a lot of times, services are mostly about just guilting you, telling you you're not doing enough, or telling you kind of the same five Bible stories. Um, often telling you you're not praying enough, you're not reading the Bible enough. Um, but what I find very different about um, Life Church um, is the pastor. He often does very practical messages. Um, he often is telling you just good life advice. Um, with finances, he's encouraging people to get out of debt and how they can do that or just how to be a nice person to each other. Um, also Craig, I, so I've been going there since I was like a kid. So I've kind of Mm -hmm. grown up learning a lot about him and he has, uh, told us about how he's done a lot to get rid of a lot of waste of money. So they often buy used buildings, so they're not wasting people's tithing money. Um, so they, so they don't like, a lot of times they don't build new brand, brand new buildings. They do sometimes, um, because they are quite large at this point. Um, but he, for how large their church is, he could be living a much more lavish lifestyle than he is. Um, but he still lives a pretty modest lifestyle considering. Um, and he actually has held up as a pretty like, good guy throughout the years, doesn't have any scandal around him or anything. Um, He also created the free Bible app, um, which he could have sold um, and made a shit ton of money on it. It's one of the number one selling apps, but he chose to offer it for free for everybody. That's amazing. Yeah. So Greg's actually, Groeschel, he's the pastor. He's actually a pretty good dude. And I would say that the church tries and they try to just bring contemporary messages and be contemporary and appeal to a wide variety of people very opening very accepting they're kind of one of the churches that help move away from the you have to dress up you have to look a certain way you know you can kind of walk into church looking however you look and no one's going to judge you about it and also while it's very large they very much um, are about small groups so they really want you to join a life group so that you can like still have very like smaller community-based groups together and like and be doing good things that way and like actually have relationships with people in the church so they work really hard to, though they're big, like have a very small feeling. So I don't know. I think it's good. Well, dang, that's pretty compelling. Yeah, I'm compelled. Yeah, yeah. I, I went, especially like the stuff about the pastor not spending a bunch of money and living a pretty modest yeah, lifestyle. He did I, this sermon once where he went through and told them like he's like we found we went through we did this whole thing where we found all the ways we were wasting money and we worked really hard to reduce that to as minimal as possible. And so he, he's all about good saving and good money spending and um, and doing a lot of ministry. His wife also is really um, passionate about fostering and adopting. So she's helped. That's great. Yeah, and that's definitely a huge problem in Oklahoma. But she has really encouraged members of our church to learn more about it and to start fostering and adopting children so good they're good for our community as well how big is life church is it just oklahoma no they're yeah they they, they've definitely been spreading um a lot um but he it's uh 
it's set up to where he's preaching in one location, then it casts through TV screens. So most, does he rotate locations? Most or? most of the time, he's at one. He has like one set location, but he definitely like anytime they open a new church, he, um, or at least a lot of times, he, if it's in a different state, he goes to that state and stays there for a while and kind of helps open it up and he'll teach there. Um, but it, if you're not in where he's actually teaching, you see it on like a big screen. But then you also have like a campus pastor who speaks like before and after and who's there to actually like be with the congregation stuff cool. so it's not just, yeah so it's not it's like you know it could i would say be the size of a mega church it's all spread out but he they work really hard to make it more of like a smaller community based feel every single location and where it is so i'm Dang. i'm for life church yeah and i like arguing that because everyone hates life church <laughs> they love yeah. to hate on life church <laughs> that yeah. rules none of that seems bad <clears throat> yeah i mean I think what people can complain about, like I've heard people complain about, is basic stuff you're going to any church, kind of the, like you come in and like you have greeters and they're like, give us your information, we want you to come back, you know, and that uncomfortable feeling you get where it's like, it feels like people are just trying to like suck you into something, but Mm -hmm. I think you... When you're a Christian, you don't really realize how that feels to be on the other side of that. Yeah. You you see it as being like, I'm being a nice Christian person, and I'm going to help them and convert them. And I don't think it's hard to have that otherwise perspective when yeah. you're doing that. Yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to show somebody that they were noticed or, or what have you, right? Mm-hmm. No, th- none of that seems too bad. My church did that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like if Craig Rochelle did anything we would have seen people dunking on him about it on Twitter by but now. You know what? That's very true. People are constantly owning Joel Osteen on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of wanted to get into that tonight with our talk of gospel music, the idea yeah. of mega churches and whatnot cool. um, and what they're doing, because we've really like through the history of gospel, when it started becoming something where, um, people can make money off of it, we see it become an industry. And the music industry kind of, like, absorb it and take control over it, like mm-hmm. they did with the hip-hop industry. Um, and it's really, you know, black megachurches have, in the past couple of decades, like, really become a thing, you know, as well as white ones as well. I love that we still have segregation of churches. Cool. <laughs> and um, And so, but the idea of, like, have we, is gospel music, have we lost like what it's really about when it's become a money making like industry. Yeah. So Yeah, Jesus going in and turning over those record store tables, <laughs> flipping turntables. Yeah, I know what this guy, um, Stephen Furtick, he was a pastor that actually used to do like guest speaking at um, Life Church. He, he was friends of Craig Rochelle, but he got in a lot of trouble when he, when it, everyone, the newspapers found out that he was buying like a multi million dollar mansion and mm. just like living that lavish TV industry life and whatnot. That's, I mean, that's good, though. Yeah. I'm glad um, they got him about it. I don't. I don't feel like I really need to know how Craig Grishel lives, but um, the fact that I got in trouble for for being for acting too rich is something I'm into. Yeah, it's people de- should always get in trouble for that. It's definitely a big debate mm-hmm. in the church community because the pastors who live more lavish lifestyles often argue. God doesn't want you to be poor. God wants you to be successful. He wants you to succeed and do well. But then other people are like, but you're in ministry. Yeah. And also, God wants that for everybody. (laughs) Like, he wants everybody to be able to, like, go to the doctor and eat a hamburger. Like, (laughs) if you're making millions of dollars, you're taking that away from other people. Well, a lot of times I'll argue, 
I don't spend any of the church's money. It's what I make off of book sales and like the fame that you get yeah. from being a famous minister on TV, like Joel Olstein, Kevin, yeah, Kenneth. What's his last name? Kenneth Copeland? Kenneth Copeland? Mm-hmm. Like things like that. And they have jets and they have, you know, their own planes. And have you guys seen that video about one of the TV preachers? And he's like, we're all praying today that I can get this my second plane. Yeah. It's like this very specific plane and it's super expensive. And Does he list all the specs of the plane? He knows a lot about it. And then he was like, it's, it's- got two wings, Lord. He pretty much said he can no longer be inconvenienced on airplanes with people asking, like, pulling him aside and being like, oh, my gosh, you're so-and-so. Pray for me and stuff. He's just like, I just need a rest and mm. stuff. Well, I'm you know, just, it's I'm easier just... for a jet to go through the eye of a needle <laughs> <laughs> than I... it is for a rich pastor to get into heaven. I'm just so tired of flying with other people and them coming up to me and saying, pray for me, Daddy. <laughs> I thought moving up to first class would do it, but ah, wouldn't you know it? <laughs> People know me there too. So, Anna, w- uh, let's let's go through your history with church from 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 birth to now. So, yeah, um, my dad uh, he became he converted to Christianity when he was fifteen, and like has been a very devout Christian since, and he was a pastor. Um, he stopped being a pastor about the time, like, I don't really remember much from my childhood of him being a pastor. I remember, like, falling asleep during his sermons, and he would yell and do that whole thing. But not at me. He just, he was, like, one of those kind sure. of yelling preachers. <laughs> oh, he didn't just yell straight at you. <laughs> yeah. Wake up! God's so watching. funny. Yeah, so he was very, very spiritual leader over our lives type thing. He used to tell us that um, God would tell him when we did bad things and things like that. Mm, it seems like that would put a strain on the the father the father daughter relation a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah uh nah he, he's cool i mean it's i like the principles that he's taught me but i just kind of apply those morals and principles outside of christianity to my own life like i still mm-hmm. want to be a good person i just don't want to give god all the credit for it you know like and yeah and it became problematic when like when i first got when I first was depressed and anxious, I, you know, I told him and he said, well, if you would just pray to Jesus tonight and truly accept him in your heart, then you would, all your anxiety would be gone tomorrow morning. Whoa. My mom was like, that's not right. Don't listen to that. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so definitely that's when I realized, I think a big problem that I found in the religion, um, I think the religion and the spiritual side are two very different things and growing up a lot of the problems I have are with like the actual people in churches and the actual religion and not with God himself or herself I don't know himself and um and I feel like growing up a lot of times there was this you were meant to feel guilty if if you weren't happy then it meant that you didn't have a good enough relationship with God it meant that you weren't praying enough it meant that you weren't like doing something right because if you if you were then you would be fulfilled inside because right. God having a good relationship with God and doing things right equals fulfillment and you'll be happy and that's not right some people just can't be happy <laughs> they need a little more help than praying to God yeah yeah it's the multi-level marketing line of thinking right right yeah yeah you didn't you didn't succeed at being an herbalife salesman because you didn't try hard enough to sell herbalife right <laughs> same thing definitely and i think a lot of issues come from 
just like disagreeing with my parents on things like that, like telling them I moved in with my boyfriend. My dad's like, there's going to be spiritual consequences. I'm not trying Whoa. to say there's a, I'm giving you like a doomsday, whatever, but the, there probably will be some spiritual consequences. Just very general, like your life's going to go to shit because you made this sinful decision. <laughs> what does spiritual consequence, does he mean? I, look, I didn't ask. It sounds like he means ghosts. I know, <laughs> I know, I know that that's not what it is. But what if it is? What if any time two people who love each other move in without doing a very expensive ceremony, <laughs> they spawn a ghost? <laughs> what, what? I want that ghost. That it, sounds great. That's is awesome. Is the personality cool of the ghost. ghost random? No, it's Joel Olstein every time. <laughs> 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 a rich ghost. Oh, God. Yeah, but it, it was funny, though. Uh, my parents were always very open, like, you, like, we don't care what denomination you're part of. We just want you going to church. So I got to do a lot of really fun, like, church hopping, which is, all, which is cool. So, and but the most rebellious thing I think I've done against them was, so I was like, I'm becoming Catholic. My dad was like, what? I think I remember when you were Catholic. <laughs> yeah, I was Catholic for a year. I mean, I, I'm technically still Catholic because you, you get, there's a whole ceremony. You, you write your name in an official God book and like, uh, like a, I'm still Catholic. Um, you can't just not be Catholic once you become Catholic. <laughs> what, what was your favorite yeah. denom that you were a part of? Catholicism. It seems like the best one. Yeah, it's in cool. In the process of doing this, I've slowly decided that if I'm going to do it, I think I'm going to be Catholic. Well, as a male, it's a good one for you. <laughs> as a female, not actually a great really, uh, I've, denomination. I've heard that, yeah. yeah. We're not allowed to use birth control. We're not what? allowed to get abortions. So we can't prevent Still? babies, but we also can't get rid of babies. Mm. <laughs> Still? Yeah, it's not very yeah. female-friendly. Even with the, the new cool pope? Skateboard skateboarding po pope. Skateboard pope is still... <laughs> Yeah, oh, he was man. kind of okay with gay people, but abortions were just that, a lie. <laughs> I mean, abort like contraception is like the hill Catholics are choosing to die on. I don't know what it is. They just, man. One day, a cool pope is gonna put a big old condom over his hat, <laughs> <laughs> and they that'll be the day that Catholicism becomes truly the best one. I remember that, you know, I didn't grow up knowing even all that much about Catholicism because you're either Protestant or you're Going Catholic. to hell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't yeah. learn about each other. So it's really interesting. The process to become Catholic, it takes a year. Um, you have to do classes every week and multiple ceremonies, and you have to have, like, a mentor and whatnot. And it's really cool because you learn all the history of Catholicism. I learned more about Protestantism from that Catholic class than I had, like, growing up as a Protestant. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah, but I remember ha being in um, at Mass, and they were, and I did not know this was a thing about birth control and they were like and we had this guest speaker and he was just going on and on about how birth control is a sin and that they offer classes to learn how to do like methods birth control methods that don't involve actual birth control what? i think it's some i didn't i didn't go to classes but it's some kind of you can position yourself in certain ways or wait maybe wait, wait 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 like a so reverse the, kama sutra <laughs> so they're like every life is precious but if you really don't want to get pregnant and you still want to go to heaven pull out do a handstand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, a handstand sounds wrong. That sounds bad. Here's how you do classes on how to fuck worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really good, bad fucking. Oh, man. Yeah, so, I mean, I definitely started 
realizing that, like, you know, I really enjoyed the traditional aspects of mass, the really yummy smelling incense. Like, you know, it's really fun. Those things are great. And I really enjoyed getting to, like, worship and praise God in a way that was different than the way I got to that I, that I did growing up. But then I, then I was like, you know, at a point I was like, I just can't really agree with this whole, like, not letting women get abortions and not letting them have birth control and, like, very, and, you know, very limited roles for women in the church and, you know, still just very divided gender-wise. Yeah. So. A little too traditional. Gotcha. Are there no cool sects of Catholicism? I mean, it's There's all... There's gotta be, right? What do you mean by that? It seems pretty Be- uniform. Yeah, I don't know, it is. I don't know if Catholicism got Pope, has like a sect. You've got bishops, but it's like, yeah, it's uniform. It's not like how in like Protestantism we have Methodist, Church of Christ, Baptist. It's like oh. the Catholic Church, and we all look to the Pope, and we yeah. all look to the bishops, and we all look to this traditional text. Do you know Mass is like... It's not new every time. They have a book that they go through and do the same sermons on every specific day at a, at a time, if I'm remembering right. Whoa. Sorry if you're a Catholic and you're like, that's not right, but I'm pretty sure that's right. <laughs> if it wasn't, send us an email at thepraisedown at gmail.com. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not claiming to be a Catholic authority by sure. any means. It's just my experience uh, from the one year. But no, I, I really think Catholicism um, is cool in a lot of ways, but like, I, I have a lot of problems with Protestantism and I have a lot sure. of problems with Catholicism still ba- for those reasons. Based on all of the denominations that you've hopped through, which denomination depicts Jesus as the richest. Like like which denomination depicts Jesus as like a total pimp? (laughs) You know what I mean? Hmm. I mean, all of them really love Jesus. Yeah. Right. I don't know if it's like, I don't know if Catholics are kind of guilty of that a little bit. Catholics do actually have where they have the crosses that actually have the Jesus dying on them. You know what I'm talking about? Like, Mm -hmm. and they'll put that up on their walls and their necklaces. And it's really funny. My family like hates that. They think that they're just like, why would you do that? Oh, the cross (laughs) with like an actual little Jesus. Yeah. yeah, Where he's actually like dying. And you're like, Oh, what too real. So the the Catholic church I went to actually has on their wall, a little tiny piece of wood that they claim is an actual piece of the cross of Jesus Christ. Seems difficult to verify, but very cool. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. so cool. That's some, oh, that's some P.T. Barnum shit. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that I, a I was lot. Like, I think Catholicism really, uh, I don't know, they, they, I think they like Mary a little bit more than they like Jesus. Yeah, some, <laughs> I've so heard that. some real yeah. Ripley's believe in it or not. Yeah. I, I, and to like Mary that much, you'd think they'd have better opinions on women. <laughs> you would think. You'd think they'd be better at it. Yeah. So I I also don't want to don't want to let this go. You said you were Catholic for a year, and you also said it takes a year to become Catholic. <laughs> so, I have not been to mass since my my final ceremony. That's what I was kind of going towards. That rules. That I was, you took all. It's like you played through the tutorial and didn't get to the game. Yeah. Well, I really wanted to be the whole reason I became not Catholic was because I saw the movie Les Mis, and I just felt really compelled to become a nun out of nowhere. And I was just like, I really want to become a nun. And so I started doing all the research, and they're like, well, you have to become a Catholic first. I, this is exactly when I met you, I think. <laughs> really? This was like five years ago. Yeah. And you were, yeah. Nun Anna? Yeah. Yeah. I still get what I call nun urges, when I just get tired of life, and I'm like, I'm just going to become a nun and get away from it all. I get it. It's cool. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about nuns. There's lots of different kinds. So you, you can have nuns that are in the most traditional outfits who are, um, what is it called? Um, they don't, like, leave the convent. Um, it's... 
it starts with a C, but I can't remember what it's called when you they're like closed nuns or whatever. So they don't leave cloistered. Cloistered. That's it. Um, and then all they do is pray and, and you know keep to themselves. And then you can have all the way to the other end nuns who live in their own houses and wear normal clothes. So like on the Ride spectrum, motorcycles. there's <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's all kind of nuns. The, my, Smoke. My mentor. Cigars. <laughs> My mentor in Catholic uh, school or whatever, she was, she used to be a nun. And like, I remember going to dinner with her and she's like, do you mind if I drink wine? And I was like, this feels crazy. <laughs> the Catholics don't feel the same way about drinking that to Protestants they love it. do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so that, that was really cool. I, I can't remember why she said she wasn't a nun anymore, but it's a crazy commitment. So if you decide you want to become a nun, you have to like talk to your priest and stuff. And if they decide, okay, yeah, we think you're serious and that God wants this for you, then you can spend nine months of an, as a, or no, it's two years as a novice nun, like feeling it out. They say it takes about two years to really get over all your like other life and material possessions. And it's really hard at first and it can, and it, to like really get used to it. And then at that side, if you decide you want to go forward from there, um, it can take another like four to five years. Like the whole process of fully becoming a nun and marrying Jesus, which is what it is, um, can take nine years. Whoa. Yeah, it's a really long process that you should be really serious about. And then once you do it, you're married to Jesus. That should be a requirement for real marriage. (laughs) You have to marry Jesus. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we have to wait nine years. I think that's good. (laughs) That's probably smart. smart. (laughs) Probably smart. Uh, So... After after you said smell you later losers to the Catholic Church, <laughs> like on the day of your confirmation ceremony, presumably, what did you do? The, the day that I became a, a Catholic. Well, I mean, the day the day you um, after you left the Catholic Church. Oh, I I don't know. It's just I think I was in Tulsa during that whole time, and I was just kind of like hadn't been out of high school that long and was just trying to like find myself and I you know and I just felt myself like getting distant from God and not really understanding it and I think you know when I was first doing it, I had a really strong relationship with God but by the end of it I was really depressed really anxious and really I think a big thing that got me away from my relationship with God was realizing that like I need to get over these things myself and not like you know keep looking for like God to do it for me. Like, so I was just kind of like this this realization that like, I need to take a step back from God and I need Mm -hmm. to like figure things out on my own. And I don't know, just through that and learning, you know, when you grow up in a really Christian community, you are very much raised of this is the only right thing. Everything else is wrong. But then when you get out into the world and learn about other religions and other things people are doing, it's just really hard to justify like, but why is this the only right one? Why is this the one that's going to get me to heaven and everything else is going to, you know, everyone else is going to hell because they didn't pick the right one or they weren't raised in the right Christian like household. That just doesn't make sense to me anymore. So, um, I don't know. It's almost like, I don't want to not believe in God, but I can't really justify like the religion of Christianity to myself anymore. Yeah. But it's still part of my life because my whole family is Christian. Uh, like I said, I still go to church when them when they ask me to. Um, I just really don't talk to them. My, my dad would be like, why haven't you been going to church? And I don't say, because I don't believe in God. I'm just like, oh, I'm sleepy on yeah, Sundays. Yeah, I'm kind of busy. <laughs> a lot of studying to do, you know, stuff like that. So that's kind of a hard thing to have to. Dad, I'm in college. <laughs> But uh, I don't know. I, I, I still, you know, respect it because I see people who are just, you know, trying to live their best lives and do good with it. And, you know, I can't hate on them for doing what they think is right. I get that. I don't mind like a cultural Christianity, like a like a familial Christianity. I don't mind that. Yeah. Like I will go I will go to church with my parents 
occasionally um, holiday services sometimes if I'm not doing anything. But, but yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. So like, so like Catholicism, was that like the last thing you like really gave a shake? Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's, oh, I don't remember how long ago that was. That was a few years ago now, I guess. Um, um, but yeah, that was the last time I really like had a, a tried a relationship with God where I was praying to him and, you know, believing in him fully and all mm-hmm. that good stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah. Is there anything that you say that you still practice, whether it's Christian or non-Christian? Practice? Uh, yeah, like, is there any sort of spiritual practice that you? I think engage in. I think self-care, <laughs> like you know. Hey, hell yeah. Uh, yeah, like mindfulness. Um, you know, doing what I need to do, whether it's depression workbooks or going to my counselor. You know, things like that. Things that. You know, you have to take care of yourself as a human being, and a part of that is, like, being able to reflect and, you know, work out things. Like, um, I went to my counselor to talk to him. How do I tell my uh, family that I'm moving with my boyfriend without them disowning me? You know, things like that. And, yeah. And so I think definitely everyone needs something, some kind of spiritual thing they're doing, whether it's, you know, you yourself or your religion that you take care of or it's something else, like things that make us feel good um when i was doing research of like the history of gospel it was really making me think gospel is part of the religion for people who have been uh, who have been since like you know the 20s and before in african-american churches like they would say if you're just sitting there and watching the preacher you're not really you're not actually religious like that's kind of what they believe they think it's like an interactive experience and so it made me think like um, about the times I felt closest to God was during worship. And it's like, is that actually feeling God through me? Or is there something about music? Is there something about like the setting and the sounds and the way we present it that makes it so appealing and makes us feel so like warm and fuzzy inside. Um, and I think that's something that I've been thinking about. Like we just released an episode with Jamie Clark and he has, there's some things on his episode that kind of touch on that. Specifically, like, the ways that one person can influence multiple people with, if they have a microphone or whatever. Um, you also have to, have to consider the tonality of a lot of, the, of, of, a lot of worship music. It's, it's all, it's all, um, I wouldn't say it's all, but a lot of it is pretty geared toward, se- like, Um, precipitating a response um, emotionally, I think. It doesn't mean anything that happens when that stuff happens isn't authentic. But yeah. well, um, in gospel, they, uh, you know, a lot of these people who have grown up in gospel churches that um, sing gospel and stuff, or they talk about it's, that. Also, the part of the religion is emotion, and that emotion should be a big part of it. Um, which is interesting because if you looking back to the history of like where gospel music's roots are from, it's in uh, it comes from uh, well, there's two two strains of gospel music. You have Anglo, which is you know I don't really want to get into that stuff, but then you have African American gospel music, which is what I've kind of done my research on, and mm-hmm. um, you know that comes from. Um, slavery and then like remembering and passing down the culture and heritage from Africa. Yeah. The spirituals. Mm -hmm. And and so it's all very, um, it's important to have a lot of passion and emotion. Um, and one of the things I read was 
people think that the most important thing of gospel music is the rhythm and the beat, but the message is actually at the core of gospel music. Um, it's all about, you know, they don't have a written tradition. They have an oral tradition. Um, and so they say, how do you share the message of God? You either write it down or you share it verbally. So gospel is the way that they do it verbally. Um, and so they, they say you have to have emotion, you have to have passion in it, and you have to tell it in a way that's understood by people. So gospel music is their way to share the message in that way. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it is interesting, that question of like going from believing and thinking that I'm feeling God when I listen to this music to not believing anymore and thinking, what was I feeling during that? If I don't believe that was God, then what was that? Was that just music making me feel that way? <laughs> I think you can second guess anything away. As, as a guy who's uh, agnostic, basically, um, you, can, you can second guess anything and invalidate it, I guess. But the, the thing that I tend to try to keep in mind is that if you're experiencing it, then it's real. And, you know, that's kind of a good way to... Um, that's kind of a good lens to let things happen to you through, I think. Uh, I went to a church a worship service with my sister last week. And we were singing along with the the music and stuff and it fully made me cry it some like it's, it's still it still works and it's like even if you don't believe the words or if you don't feel like it applies to you it's powerful it's like in wrestling <laughs> where it, w- it what's called marking out which is where even though you know it's not real you're so drawn in that for a second you believe the story. Right. And, and really good wrestling does that. Really well, good anything does it. Yeah. In yeah. theater, a big part of their themes is or is that it's they're not trying to make it realistic. Theater is not a movie, and they know that. So they say there's, and it, there's a power that comes from believing something while at the same time knowing it's not real. Yeah. Um, and that's where you, know, you get a lot of catharsis through theater and you can kind of purge these emotions and feel a lot of emotions without actually thinking something's real, but you're yeah. still involved in the story of it and whatnot. So, I mean, it's been interesting to go from, you know, as an English student learning about myths and then starting to think of the Bible, instead of thinking like, this is true history, this is what really happened, and this is like, you know, so important to thinking, what if this is just another collection of myths? Like, yeah. <laughs> what if these are just elaborate myths that have good morals and good things for humans, but um, it didn't actually happen? I, that was also an interesting thing, becoming Catholic, learning that they don't believe all the stories in the Old Testament happened. Um, I can't remember if they don't believe all of them, but at least some of those stories, they think are just metaphors. They don't nice. think they're actual historical events. What is the most uh, prominent one that they don't believe actually occurred? I, I couldn't answer that. Sorry, I'm not. I'm not sure. But I think just those stories, like, like, oh, I the one like, I rem- like. Which one? The one I remember yeah. is Jonah in the whale mm. or the fish, whatever he was. He the vor story. Yeah. Yeah. They they don't think that actually happened. They don't think he was actually swallowed by some giant fish. They think that that's just a metaphor, a story told for biblical purposes. So hmm. okay, it's interesting. I mean, makes sense. Yeah. What whale's mouth is just a house? <laughs> a bad whale. Bad whale, yeah, that, that's a bad whale. <laughs> yeah. That guy wouldn't have survived the... Uh, he wouldn't have survived evolution. Uh, <laughs> Science. Um, so, so Anna, I, I, um, let's, let's round this segment out. I want to ask you, where, where do you feel like you're at right, right now, like right in this moment? 
with God? With God, just like with everything. Like what what what's what do you what do you think is going on? I feel pretty good just like living life right now. <laughs> like like, yeah. like like I said, my sister asked me the other day if she's like, Where do you stand with God? And I said, You know, I just kinda don't think about it right now. I don't know if I believe in God or not, to be honest. Like I don't want to not believe in him, but also I I kinda think as I got further away from God, I always had this feeling in the back of my back of my head that I would get back to Him, but now I'm not sure if that's ever going to happen. And but I'm just kind of leaving it open ended. We'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. I'm having a casual relationship with God. Oh, nice! nice. <laughs> Hell yeah! I'm Very ghosting modern. him, but I know he'll text me back as soon as I text him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, do we do we want to move on to our next segment? Yeah, I um, we, I guess we kind of have a thoughts and prayers, but it's 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 less of a thoughts and prayers. It's less of an advice, less of an advice opportunity, and more of a um, more of a check in with our good friend. He has risen twenty eighteen. Let's see what he has risen twenty eighteen is up to. We we won't explain him again because we did off mic earlier. He is risen 2018 uh, on April 27th. I guess this is a little bit backwards in the timeline, I suppose. But we're we're building out the He is risen 2018 cinematic universe at this point. So April 27th, 2018. He is risen 2018 says under the topic the impossible has happened. He is risen 2018 writes. I think I finally learned how to shut the devil's voice out for good. Uh... <laughs> you know, the one who's been constantly hissing doubts of my salvation into my ear and attacking me with the thought that I'm not a true believer. I think he just has Bill Maher on the background. Yeah, hey, turn HBO <laughs> off. He has risen 2018. He continues. You know, that voice that's always telling me to start the clock. <laughs> He continues, and the reason I think that he can no longer bother me is that he's only sending these thoughts into my mind and not into my heart. Mm. Oh, don't get me wrong. He might try to continue to bother me, and I have a feeling he will until I take my last breath on this earth. But now I take the power to shut him out and rebuke him in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, hang on. He started this by saying, I finally learned how to shut the devil's voice out for good. Y'all remember. I don't think you can do that. And now yeah. and now he said, don't get me wrong, he, he'll probably continue to bother me until I die. Oh, no. Wait, so... No, but like, he definitely will. Have you read the Bible? Yeah, hey, he, he is Wisdom 2018, which is it? And then, uh, uh-oh, final sentence. Actually, I always realized that I had always had power over him. I never just real... I just never realized it before up till now. So, he has risen 2018 is getting too strong. He's stronger than the <laughs> devil. He's Oh man. This is like the problem with the internet age and Christians. It's like this is all the stuff we talked about at camp every summer, but yeah. we did it in a in a small room and no one else had to listen to it. But yeah. now Christians can just say whatever they want on forums. I'm stronger than the devil. Man, <laughs> he is risen 2018. It uh, doesn't sound like you are. I think, like, mm, what if he is? All right, what if the he in he is risen 2018 
is he is risen 2018? What if he is risen as the real Messiah? (laughs) (laughs) Or like the second coming or something like that. You know how God used to always like um, try to test us by, I don't know, dressing up like a homeless man. And if we pay him, you know, or don't pay him or ignore him or not, then that's how God tests us. But now he does it through the Internet. And okay. it depends on how we comment. Do we upvote him or do we downvote him? Wow! Oh. If you if you downvote me on Earth, I'll deny you. I'll downvote you in front of my father. I think the symbolism is clear. For upvote li- yourself to heaven. Downvote yourself to hell. Yeah. For all the likes you have given to the least of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you think God is adapting to the internet age? <sighs> I. Uh, it's hard to see God's presence. <laughs> uh, on the internet, I I I don't I can't think of very many posts that I've seen where I've been like, God's in that one. I don't know. I see a lot more puppies on the internet than I have before, and That's I see true. a lot of God in puppies. Mm, you never yeah. see a post where you're like, God's in that post. Mm, okay, you're right. Sometimes I do. Sometimes someone will post a picture of a capybara being friends with another animal. <laughs> God's in those ones. Yeah, God's in those <laughs> posts. Yeah, with all the, I think God became aware that there's just so much bad news out there. Mm. That He's the good guy on the internet in mm. general. The one posting the good funny stories, the the cute pictures, the good memes—they're all from God. We just never realized are, it. Do you, there are peop, there are posters who are divinely inspired. Drill. That's absolutely <laughs> drill true. from Twitter is absolutely inspired by God. Uh, who else? Mm. John Hendren. John Hendren is inspired by God. You know, I don't understand in this day and age why people haven't figured out how to make moving like Christian movies that aren't cheesy or like other Christian related content that aren't just like really cheesy. Hey, yeah. Why are we so behind Christian wise like that? We can't make good media. Let's all make a good Christian movie. (laughs) Here's why I think that is. Um, you can make something you can make Christian music without having an overbearing agenda, but you can't very well make a Christian film without having a very obvious agenda, right? Otherwise it's just a film where some of the people are Christians. Yeah. The thing that Christian filmmakers need to realize is that Everybody, nobody likes a film with an agenda. Right? So how do we fix this? How do we make a Christian movie without an agenda? The only people to ever really nail it... The Last Temptation of Christ. Big Idea Productions, when they made Jonah a VeggieTales mm. movie. I was about to say, VeggieTales is really good. Doesn't feel like it has an agenda. Is just really pretty authentic. Just fun. Yeah, just fun. Yeah. Like right up until they started only doing parodies and they changed the uh, animation style. <laughs> Haven't seen any of that new stuff. But. Mm, that's good. We had my brother on to talk about VeggieTales and we got like, really? into it. It uh, at one point got so in depth about VeggieTales that it stopped being funny. <laughs> <laughs> I love hitting that point. It's so much fun. Uh, yeah, Mike Naraki, Phil Vischer, come on the podcast. Yeah, please. Do we, uh... I think it's Dune Talk time. Alright, buckle down. We're gonna get into some Dune Talk.
right now. So, Anna, I, I realize that you've put together a bit of a presentation for us, but um, just to get it here at the top, what is the name of the album that we will end up reviewing at the end? Like a ship, parentheses, without a sail. Close parentheses. I love this album. You showed it to me like five years ago. It's really good. And I've loved it ever since. Yeah. Um, I got a guy that I... Uh, Pastor T.L. Barrett and the Youth for Christ Choir. Yep. I think it might at one point have been on the Praise Down uh, or the uh, the public access playlist that we play before before shows. It it really was um, not well known for a long time. Like it, 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 you know, it's really good, but it wasn't like you know. It's the he has his congregation. He's had it for over twenty years, and I couldn't find for sure. Like I think he might still be like preaching but actually i don't know that for sure i couldn't find a straight answer on that mm. uh maybe not because he had been doing it for over 20 years like in the 80s so pro- maybe not but <laughs> he he was preaching in chicago there's He's, a chance yeah he was born in new york but he most he spent a lot of time in chicago growing up in chicago and um this he had a congregation um at one time which was called the prayer palace um Whoa. which is a great name and uh, I love that funk band. Yeah, so he had an after-school program for this choir, the children's choir that sings on this. And pretty much what I was looking up, um, uh, so it actually got a pretty of a following when it was re-released by a recording studio called Light in the Attic in 2010. And then people were like, "This is pretty fucking good." Yeah, and it is really good. Um, it's him singing his heart out with this like just like beautifully haunting, joyful yet despairing children's choir in the background. Damn. Um, really playing off this idea in gospel that's called call and response, which has mm. been a part of it for a long time. It's where preacher says one thing and then you've got the congregation responding and it's just really beautiful. But the interesting plot twist that comes into this is to know that after 20 years, um, he was um, caught for doing three different pyramid schemes with his congregation. Three different pyramid schemes? Wow. He had gotten over $2 million from them, um, and he was uh, they forced him to pay $1.2 million back um, if, with, so that he didn't have to go to jail. Which you, know what, you know what they call three pyramid schemes? What? A Giza scheme. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so he still got to keep $800,000? Well, originally, when they, the, when they found out and they looked in his bank account, there was only $200,000 available. Um, and I think he ended up, like, fundraising the rest of the money. <laughs> He got the what was left of his congregation. About half of them stayed around um, after this. All this came out, and yeah, actually, there's this quote I have um, about it where he's talking to his congregation, and he says um, that someone did an article who was a part of his church, and this was after it happened. It was a great article because she said she went there and he was late or or he didn't see her for a long time. Electric buzzer buzzed her into his office, was wearing like a full velvet black tracksuit. Um, then said, and immediately goes, wait, what day is it? She goes, uh, June 15. He goes, oh, I'm just supposed to be at court right now. Made her give him a ride to court, wait in her car for almost an hour while he was in court. And then he came back and he's like, see, I said that wouldn't be very long. It's only the first court appearance. And like me, and then made her give him a ride back to the church. Whoa. 
but he then so then she was telling what he was going on during the sermon afterwards that you know he's got about half his congregation left after this whole scandal and he says i'm going to demand that everyone who is putting pressure on me back off if i die from all the stress i will be in the ground and you won't have your money back so work with me he pleaded nobody made anybody do anything he said that's right someone across the aisle from me chimed you did it willingly and had you made it over before the attorney general stopped us you would be on the other side so let's be man enough and woman enough to shoulder our own responsibilities help me do what you want done but i'm going to ask you to lighten this load he said i need at least 25 people to give a hundred dollars today to help us make the church's mortgage payment i have come too far to beg you please be liberal in your giving after a few moments of silence in the sanctuary a woman in a green suit walked up and handed him a hundred dollar bill and returned to her seat that's incredible that's a good pastor who can do two million dollars worth of a pyramid screen with his er, congregants and then still have half of his church left and convince people to give him a hundred dollar bill in the middle of a service wow who just has a hundred dollar (laughs) bill hey good question not ever me at church. No, yeah. no, because oh, I know I'll accidentally. I'm so Oops, I tithed it. Yeah, oh, boy. Oh, yikes! Pulls on collar. Yeah. I tithed my hundo. So in so this came this album came out in 1971, I believe 70 or 71. Uh, he made multiple albums afterwards, but um, in the 50s and 60s was when gospel music started actually making money for people. Um, people started touring with it, even though they had a hard time. They weren't as African Americans. They weren't allowed in certain to stay at certain hotels. They weren't allowed into certain places. Um, but they, they did. Uh, it started becoming something that you could make money off of. Um, so then we see in the uh, 1970s, um, kind of more a resurgence almost, and it, it becomes really, really popular. And um, at this point, there's been this debate on whether, like, should we keep it traditional or should we allow um, what they? There's this big divide of like jazz and blues as sinful music and gospel as non-sinful music, even though they kind of share influences. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was like devil music versus God music. And so now it's like, should we keep it traditional or should we allow? Um, start having like soul, funk, those kinds of influences into it. So it became, uh, so Barrett saw this as an opportunity of it becoming really popular. He said, hey, I can make my own album and people are going to like it <laughs> because everyone else was doing it and it was a popular decision to make. Mm-hmm. And so he got his choir and he ended up making this super amazing album. Um, and it's, some of the lyrics are ir- ironic at this point because he, you know, he says, you know, I was looking to pleasure and all I found was pain. And then he ends up doing this whole pyramid scheme for two million million dollars mm-hmm. it's not clear he says you know i did actually did a similar thing when i was younger and i was trying to make a legal version of it it's not clear as to whether like was he actually a con man or was he a man with good intentions who you know just made just didn't understand that this was bad i don't know the answer oh, to that that's fun was he bad or dumb yeah Ooh. yeah okay or good at playing dumb all right so the first song we're gonna play is uh, called Nobody Knows. Okay, so we're going out of order here on this album. Oh, I'm sorry. Do we usually play it in order? I... Usually, but I mean, that's... Okay, then okay. do it however you want to do it. <laughs> Is that, it I mean... Play it in order. That's fine. Sorry. Okay. All right. We will uh, we'll start with the, the top of the album, the title track, Like a Ship. Yeah. Thank you. 
Yeah, this song. Hey, this is pretty good. Yeah. Starts off real strong. Ends real strong. That's the pastor just yeah. yep. ripping mm, it. Without a sale. Yep. He's like, hey, I'll make an album and I'll also have an amazing voice. God wanted this guy to win, I think. It feels that way. He yeah. ended up having a street named after him. Great. He, he recovered from the scheme. Like, still was seen as like a good community giver. I don't even... Oh, it's so good. Man, you know how I feel right now? How? I feel how I would have felt if Kanye became a Republican and put out a good album. So Kanye actually uh, samples one of his songs in um, his Life of Pablo album. Oh, he does? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, whoa. His, you're you're going to have to point it out. It's not on this album. It's on his next one. Which actually is actually Yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's jump into that song. What's, do you know the name of the song so, off the top? Uh, it's like Father with Hand Stretched Out. T- type in uh, Don't Pass Me On By, which is the album. Um, which is actually... Um, I thought that was a really cool album title because when I was doing my research on the history of gospel, that's a very that title is a very old gospel song and idea, and it came from um, African Americans were taught that Christianity was not for them and that God did not favor them. So a lot of gospel music um, actually became a way to say like, "Hey, look at us, we matter, and we think God thinks we matter." So it's a lot about pride in their culture, and it's a lot about having loud expression of saying like we're here and like don't pass us on by like mm-hmm. you know take us to heaven too and okay. you know like us as, uh, as much as you like white people which was crazy um so the, as, so as much as down. white people huh so yeah um hmm. so father stretched my hand so that the intro to this song you're immediately going to be like what what wow you're right it's quite a different direction from the other album, but pretty amazing. Can't get over this sin. This was uh, 1976. Hell yeah. thing you'll notice in gospel is the stretching of the notes which was um first they would borrow the kind of the form of the hymn like amazing grace but then they uh like 
slaves and whatnot uh, in, from Africa did not quite know how to sing in that form. So they were really good at like improvising and borrowing from European tradition, but then making it their own. And part of that is that stretching of the, the notes when they sing. And then very percussive style. This all feels like Tarantino gospel a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of goth. It's it's almost goth gospel. Gothful. Yeah, definitely. I think what's really good about this album and the other one is like it sounds joyous, yet it sounds like they're crying out in pain at the exact same time. I love that. That's what all music should sound like. I feel like that's a lot of what Christianity is about too. This was a way to um, share their struggle, but also look to God in that struggle. It's like, I'm in hell, but I know heaven's coming. Yeah, that's a really good point. Good Christian music showcases hope and despair. I mean, really, being a Christian can be very... um, Yeah, it can be a lot of struggle and despair. It's facing a lot of what real Christianity can be inside is facing emotion and letting God help you through it. It's bad Christian music that only talks about hope. Yeah. Or positivity. Yeah. Yeah, Even worse. It removes the allowance of struggle and the allowance of doubt because even those elements are in the Bible. Um, You're allowed to doubt God. You're allowed to struggle. You're allowed to be Jacob wrestling with an angel. It's true. Alright, so next on the album... It's like stoner gospel. Because <laughs> it's kind of doomy? Yeah. Yeah, it is a little bit. So up next, we've got Wonderful. This one definitely feels more traditional. And you get to really hear his pipes in this one. Good. When school assemblies were going on, he got kicked out of multiple schools. Uh, he would just go like behind the stage and start playing the piano, and his friend would start playing the drums, and then the whole auditorium would like start like singing along and like playing along, and uh, he got kicked out of school. <laughs> That's the best reason to get kicked out of school. Yeah, they always said he had a discipline problem. When he was 16, he got kicked out of another high school for the last time, and the person said when he was leaving, his principal or someone said, you will never amount to anything. And then he ends up being the head of this church and like a huge community person pulling off a $2 million pyramid scheme. Not everyone can do that. Not everybody can. Did he grow up to become the pastor of the church that that principal went to? (laughs) That would be so good. Oh, it stopped playing. Wait. So presumably, he would lead everybody in worship, and then he would just do a sermon, right? Yeah, they always had like a, the whole choir up there, lots of people, but it's very involving with the whole congregation to be singing. Yeah. I'm just thinking about how jarring it would be 
to go to youth group and have the cute band leader fella to like play Your Grace is Enough or whatever. And then just go, oh, are we having a good time? Crack your Bibles open. Here we go. <laughs> That's always felt at Life Church. There was always like the cool guitar player on stage. And I was yeah. always like, oh my. Oh. <laughs> you and your skinny jeans. The Lord is my shepherd. This congregation had a lot of like famous musicians. Philip Bailey of Earth, Wind, and Fire went to his church. Mm-hmm. So, is Pastor T.L. Barrett the pianist on this album? You know, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I mean, it's safe to assume he is the singer. Yeah. Definitely. I'm not sure about the piano player, though. I think he can play the piano. I'm, I'm looking at uh, other albums by Pastor T.L. Barrett, the Youth for Christ Choir, and one of them is an EP called Jingle Bells, featuring two songs, Jingle Bells Part 1 and Jingle Bells Part 2. <laughs> I am. Jingle Bells Part 2, Jingle All the Way. The first part is yeah. just the bells. <laughs> the second part has no bells. <laughs> well, Such pipes. I can't believe the pipes on this fella. Huge. I'm a living witness tonight that he's really been wonderful. Listen. When I get sad. I can't believe you can sing this good. <laughs> I'm so mad about it. What do we got next? Up next, we've got It's Me, Oh Lord. There's only six more songs, so we can really... So when he was kicked out of school, he made a pact with himself that he would never smoke cigarettes, drink, or, or do drugs. Start a pyramid scheme? <laughs> no, not that. Or do uh, drugs until he became successful. How convenient. Wait, until he, until he became successful? Until he became successful. <laughs> Oh, that was his revenge. <laughs> yep. What drugs did he do after he became <laughs> successful? Presumably cool. all of them. That's what I would do. Mushrooms. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Ah. Mushroom, right. mushroom church would be very good. I'm trying to find yeah, the right. quote on my notes, but someone There's said that. Um, so Chance the Rapper, he's also from Chicago. Kanye West is also from Chicago, where he's from and where his influence from. Um but his latest album, Coloring Book, I believe it's called, um, you know, was it's very gospel inspired. And someone had a really cool quote that said that Coloring Book is if um, T. L. Barrett had access to the internet. Whoa! <laughs> wow! I love that. I like that a lot. Chance has always been super gospely. He's a he's a, a boy for Christ for sure. He is a real Christian boy. He is. True right. Christian boy. Up next, we've got It's Me, Oh Lord. This is a uh, 40 children in this choir. That's so many. Did they have to be in it? I think it was an after school like youth program. Oh, I see. Okay. He did a lot for the community before he stole 2 million and after yeah. he stole 2 million dollars. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty good then.
it's really cool. So, elaborate a little bit more on the nature of the pyramid scheme. Okay, let me find it. So, the first one was, you invest $1,500, get two other people to in- raise $1,500 and invest it. Yeah. And then after you get, like, so many people or something, you get $12,000 back. Oh. The second one was, you, let me find it here. The second one was, you pay $1,500 to enroll in the T.L. Barrett Institute for Positive Improvement. Whoa, cool. Yeah. So the second scheme replaced the original scheme, and uh, I think this was his attempt to make it more legal, but it was still not legal. Oh, I see. Okay. And then the third one, it, it was similar, and you do a $5,000 contribution with the promise of receiving $40,000 by bringing other contributors into the program. So all different forms of the same thing. Seems like he couldn't stop doing the same thing <laughs> a little bit. Different amounts of money. Hey, you think I'd confuse him if I if I asked him for a thousand instead of fifteen hundred? <laughs> I think at one of those he accepted all kinds of amounts, you could, and you got a certain amount back based on how much you originally contributed. Oh. But he took from old people, young people, like high school students, from handicapped people, from you know, from all ethnicities, like. He definitely, he wasn't, he would take from everyone, which is what I really respect about him. You know, he wasn't just taking from white people or just taking from high school students. He was open to everyone's money. That's good. I respect that. That's noble. Yeah. All right. Up next, we've got Ever Since. So funky. Ah, damn. Yeah. Okay, yeah. This is a pretty Tarantino track, (laughs) for sure. This was before funk was a thing. But there's so much... There's so much... um, early bones of funk in here. So what's interesting is during this time, a lot of secular music was influenced by gospel, but gospel was very wary to become influenced by secular music. They wanted to like keep that line very divided. And so it it was like kind of a slow process. Um, The first year that they sang gospel at a jazz festival was a really big deal because it was seen as a very sinful place. But then people's argument was, well, shouldn't we be reaching out to sinners? So they started going to places where sin was happening, which was where jazz was happening, apparently. Yeah, and it turns out all those jazz guys loved gospel. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, so one of the very early contributors to, like, kind of... So in 1921... Um, gospel was officially recognized by the largest Christian organization as a style of Christian music. So we can kind of see that in a way as being a beginning, a different kind of beginning, even though it's been around for centuries, you know, of uh, like African-American tradition. Um, So in the 20s, we see uh, one of the kind of original contributors was Thomas Dorsey, and he was a blues singer. Um, But then he 
lost a bunch of money and saw that as a sign to turn to God and became a gospel singer. Ah. And he's called the godfather of gospel. Um, he sophisticated the call, call and response style. Um, okay. And he introduced ca- jazz cadences and rhythms to it. Um, and this was a time when the community was going through very deep economic depression so and also people were moving to cities so we see a new a need for a new kind of gospel which um kind of helped express these different struggles from being like uh you know like sharecropper struggles to factory worker struggles like yeah. different forms of struggle so we have a new form of gospel being bred and he's kind of one of the the first people in that and then the coolest person i found um Rosetta Tharp uh, she um, had very she she could not decide between the jazz and blues and the gospel. So she would sing gospel sometimes, but then she would go do a show that was jazzy, and then she would go apologize to her church and be like, "I'm sorry, I won't do it again." And then she'd be like, and then she'd go play another jazz awesome. show. So she just went oh. back, and she had a killer guitar skill. She really introduced the the kind of the guitar into jazz in a lot of ways. Wow. And I mean, the videos of her are really awesome with how she riffs on guitars. It's really amazing. Um, so she was she was really cool, but because she she kind of went back and forth, she didn't like she was she's very much respected. But they talk about how she had like a very small funeral and stuff because she didn't have quite the like following of someone like Aretha Franklin, who they're like you know usually you pick one, you either stay in gospel or you go over to soul and funk and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like Aretha Franklin became a soul singer, but she ended up having to the same year that um, like a ship came out, she released an album called Amazing Grace, which is a gospel album, mm-hmm. and it. it and it's her best-selling album of all time up to this day. Wow. And so people still respected her as a gospel singer and a soul singer because people just loved Aretha Franklin so much. <laughs> Dang. Makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's, let's start Ever Since over. I, I wasn't really listening to it. Uh, let's start over. Sorry, I was talking the whole time. No, that's okay. <laughs> His instrumentals are so strong, and they don't even need to be because he has such a strong voice and such a strong choir. But everything is strong on this album. Yeah, it's like... It's almost overkill stylistically. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this involved. Mm -hmm. But... It it is, and and it's good. Yeah. (laughs) Right? recording this in a huge room. They're probably recording it right in the damn church. Yeah. With 40 people, and they're still all yelling at the top of their lungs. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh. In order to not peak the levels, that microphone's got to be across the room. <laughs> yeah. This is where you're getting all that good reverb, which makes them all sound like baby ghosts. So... We would consider this, if you heard this, you would be like, oh, this sounds like traditional gospel. Yeah. But at this time period, this was new and, like, too crazy for a lot of people. Like, Yeah, like, this was, this is traditional now, but this was not traditional then. It's really crazy reading about the history about how scared people were of this style of music because you know when we see in the like Anglo churches and stuff really was a lot of 
sitting still, being quiet. At one point, it wasn't even heard of for the congregation to be singing at all. And so we start seeing these styles where people are clapping their hands, stomping their feet, being really expressive and emotional, and it scared people. This yeah, literally truly. scared people. Emotion has always been one of the scariest things to <laughs> a person people. could exhibit. Yeah. yeah. To white people. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about control. And when you express yourself like this, you give up a little bit of control, and there's nothing more scary. Oh, that's so good. All right, all right. Up next, we've got Nobody Knows, which was the one you told us to play first. It's my Why favorite. It's very, it's a darker one. It, okay. it, it's just, it's really good. It's really, like, emotional, and you can kind of, like, really feel, like, kind of the, the struggle and despair in this one, which I always appreciate. Okay. The children's choir is, like, hauntingly beautiful in this one. Okay. What bands now do you think could be vastly improved by a children's choir? What? I think almost any band. <laughs> sure. I think I, I really like that hip-hop is starting to involve more gospel influence into their work, and I think they should continue to do that uh, because it really feels like it's you know, keeping that tradition of what where hip hop started is kind of the same roots, but at a different time, different thing than with gospel. You know, yeah. that idea. Of, you know, a big part of gospel too is sharing um, political and social views as well. Like, you know, a lot of gospel music had to do with the civil rights during the civil rights movement. Like, it's all about um, expressing this community, which is what hip hop and rap and all that aim to do as well. So, I think they should definitely keep it going. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that read. I think uh, more dream pop and shoegaze bands should have children's choirs. Whoa. Beach House. Beach House. My Bloody Valentine should have a children's choir. Oh, dude. Ah. Mm hmm. This Mortal Coil should have a children's choir. The drums on this album are so much better than they need to be. They don't have to be this good. It's just amazing. (laughs) I've been noticing the drums first on every track, I think. So. The like clapping of the hands and stomping the feet, or how they um, a lot like back way 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 back when um, you know uh, like slaves and whatnot got their drums taken away from them and that ability to do that. So they had to come up with other ways to have percussive styles in their music, and a lot of that was through like the uniform hand clapping and the stomping of the feet and things like that. So always they've been important since the beginning of gospel. The drums. 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 I really love those drums. Yeah. I love how he's very clearly wailing, but it also sounds fucking effortless. Yeah. Yeah, I like to imagine he just walks in with his coffee and is like, all right, turn it on, and immediately can just, like, pour out this struggle and despair, and then he turns off, he's like, all right, you guys want to go get some lunch? All right. (laughs) Just a real one-take guy. (laughs) 
So this one is this one's kind of your fave on this album, right? Yes, it is. What's the thematic breakdown on it? What do you mean by that? Like what what what's being discussed? I know we're talking over it, but well, the title "Nobody Knows" just saying like nobody knows what I go through. Uh, just I don't know. I think to me it's the most confessing on the album. Just like of just being open emotionally. It's in it. And like I said, you, you feel joyous almost. That choir in the background gives you that feeling of like upbeat joyness, and the drums are upbeat. But what he's the content that he's actually talking about is you know going through hard times and struggling and like. It, but it feels like he's talking to God directly. It feels confessional. Yeah. And that's what I like about it. Laying it all out on the table. Imagine him like getting on his knees and just like you know like dancing around with it, and belting it, Jesus yeah. Christ superstar style. <laughs> yeah. oh. Jesus. Just that that background of the choir going, nobody knows. It's just like that to me is the most amazing part of this song. <laughs> like, how can you get a bunch of kids to express sorrow like this? Uh, they grow up on the south side of Chicago. In the you know 60s, the, this was described as question me an answer. Yeah, <laughs> fuck. This was expressing um, the feelings of teenagers and children in this area during the 60s. That's kind of like what this album is like influenced by. Wow. And I mean, yeah, it's he never gives up on his community. I mean, I mean, yeah, what he did was really bad. And like I said, I, I don't know enough of the details about it to know if he really did have good intentions or if he really is a con man. I, I don't know. I can't say that. But he ends up, he doesn't give up. He doesn't move away. He doesn't shut down his church afterwards. He still gets involved with the community after. He's known now for his charitable works with his community. His church always had, um, was very uh, involved with his, with, um, with his area of town um, to the point that, in a way, what I can see from what I did look up, and like I said, I don't know enough about Save for Sure, it seems like he was forgiven by a lot of people. Yeah. They named a street after him. Amazing. Jesus. Oh, okay, up next we've got Joyful Noise. We've got three more. Joyful Noise is next. I feel like he can be a con man, but still like a good person, you know what I mean? Definitely. I think that what a lot of Christians will argue, you know, is that we never said we were perfect. You know, and I think a lot of pastors have a hard time with that, is this expert expectation for them to never mess up and to never sin. And pastors are held up to such a strict light. Well, with that being said, he did a $2 million pyramid scheme. Yeah, he did. And I'm not is discounting he not like, that. <laughs> he did do a pretty big ups, if yeah. it, assuming it's an ups. <laughs> but... And it's also really easy for people to go, ah, oh, we never said we were perfect, bah, but then those people never actually do anything good with this. But T.L. Barrett also seems that he did good things as well. So he's a complicated definitely. guy. I wish I knew a little more of the details so I could say, yeah, he definitely like didn't know, but I also don't want to discount it. 
and somewhere yeah. out there in podcast land, someone's listening to this who was cheated by him and is like, they're giving that guy a break. He ruined my life. <laughs> if your life was ruined by Pastor T.L. Barrett, please. Come please, on the show. Come on the show. Email the praise down at praisedown at gmail.com. Let us know. Yeah, that's great. We'll have you on in a heartbeat. Yeah. And we're sorry. And we're sorry that he ruined your life. But also, you've heard this album. Yeah, it's a great album. <laughs> Riffs. All right. Up next, we got Medley. Oh. One of the more upbeat ones. It's pretty Ooh. good. What I like about this album is it's good for anything. I listened to it mowing the lawn today and like loved it. Like you can listen to it anytime, anywhere. It's always just a great thing to listen to. Whether you're sad, you can listen to it. Whether you're happy, you can listen to this it. This reminds me of Twinkie Clark. Yeah. Okay, so the song's called Medley. So it's is it just snippets like this all the way through? Is it? Um, trying to remember. I'm not sure. I think it does kind of change up. If I remember right, this kind of singing right here just gets stronger and louder actually through the rest of the song they and are just they're just screaming at a certain point whoa then he comes in with this smooth ass voice probably oh. oh, got it one take like we talked about yeah a real one take tony I could forgive a voice like that in a heartbeat if he took $5,000 of mine. Yeah, like he can have it, I guess. And then I would probably be that person that ends up giving him a hundred more dollars after that. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't even do anything to me and I forgive him. I would subscribe to this guy's Patreon even if he was taking a hundred dollars from me. I'd give him a hundred dollars a month on Patreon. What if he is He Is Risen 2018? Whoa. <laughs> I hope so. I desperately hope so. All right. It's time for the final song on the album. This one, if I remember correctly, is completely instrumental, instrumental and it's very good. Okay. Blessed Quietness. I don't think we've talked about it, but where where in the timeline does the pyramid scheming occur? Is this before or after? After. So he made like three albums in the 70s, and then he got in trouble in 1989. 
for the pyramid schemes, and he had been the pastor of that church for over 20 years at that point. Okay, and he had been scheming the whole time? I don't know. No, I, I think all those programs hadn't been around that long before he got caught. He, okay. I, I remember quoting him saying, like, everyone else was doing these pyramid games. I'm the only one that was open about it. So he feels pretty innocent in all of this, I believe. Also not wrong. I love that. I love it. A whole album of him like belting and wailing and singing and having 40 children singing. And he ends it with an instrumental called Blessed Quietness. Wow. He's like, all right, folks, album's over. <laughs> Pack it up. It just really showcases once again how unnecessarily good all these instruments yes. are. Oh. These cats can fucking play. Oh yeah. Every one of these cats can play. Absolutely. It's just funny because like when I hear this, it reminds me so much of like jazz and blues, yet one was seen as the good one and one was seen as the evil one. Yeah. I yeah. It would have been really trippy to like grow up in a time where just the way things sounded made them heavenly or from hell. I mean, we still have the argument now of like, can we have instruments in church or not between like the Baptist and the Church of Christ? Yeah. I, when some of the research I was doing, a lot of the like Pentecostal, which is like you know a lot of what these African American churches are that are singing gospel and whatnot are, they're like they always refer to Psalm 105, which says like uh, you know praise the Lord with trumpets and stringed instruments and harps and you know it says in the Bible to do it. Well, here we go. Makes you wonder what the Church of Christ people like read that verse and think, right? You know, it's like the bad thing is Church of Christ is just a bunch of white people, and they do not sound that good a cappella. Yeah. Like, I mean, if like these children were singing a cappella, it would be dope. It'd be amazing. But yeah, like that's true. church I grew up in, we're all tone deaf. We all like sing at different times. Girls are singing during the boy parts. Boys are singing during the girl parts. Trumpets and Christian music. <laughs> Where the hell? That's Bye Bye and Frenzy. Bye Bye and Frenzy. It's okay. just too related to ska, and ska is sinful music. Oh, see, see, we all know. <laughs> hey, we are. This is a Team Horns show. This is a firmly Team Horns podcast. <laughs> we love horns here on the cast. There have been more string related sins than horn sins. I feel like there's a lot of power and emotion in the trumpet. It yeah. should be incorporated more. Yeah. I agree. Well, folks, that's the album. I can't believe, I can't believe that album had exit music. It was <laughs> yeah. awesome. It was great. It was like the credits. I wish they would have just had in the background like the conversation of people like walking out of church and leaving, just saying goodbye to each Whoa. other. That would have been nice. And yeah. just let it kind of let that kind of ambient noise kind of hang over until it fades a little bit. And then you leave and you hear him kind of just sing by himself. You, you can tell he's alone in the church. And then you hear the sounding of him closing the piano top. And then he gets up and he goes, "Amen." just walks out and then you hear the door shut behind mm, click, him click click <laughs> well lord we've done it again <laughs> so uh do we want to get into final judgment here yeah this one's kind of a foregone conclusion a little bit huh yeah yeah it seems like one yeah ah uh, we i'll go first is great every part of it is great i love this album already uh, before we before we got in the room, 
and uh, it's it's still really good. I'd mostly just listen to that first one, uh, the the title track there, but who boy, every part of it is good, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say perfect twelve. Ooh, twelve perfect, disciples. Perfect 12, no Judas. I'm adding. I'm swapping out a disciple. <laughs> You're swapping him out for Paul. Yeah, another Paul. Paul too. The the pre conversion Paul, post conversion Paul. Post. Paul two. <laughs> Punishment day. <laughs> <laughs> so that's our rating system, Anna. It's out of twelve disciples. Okay. And keep in mind, one of the disciples is Judas. You can choose to give it or not give it. A- you know what? Actually, I am going to give it to Judas. Uh, the man defrauded $2 million. Yeah, hey. <laughs> he did a money crime. It's, Almost it's hard to forget that. Just like the J-Man. Almost On the Wikipedia page, they the really just sandwiched that in there. Good stuff, good stuff. Pyramid scheme for $2 million. More good stuff. Oh, <laughs> two contra- stars and a wish. Controversy, yeah. Yeah. Two, tr- two truths and a lie. That was his yeah. Judas moment, except it wasn't 30 gold coins or whatever. It right. was $2 million. Which he did pay back with more of his congregation's money. So good. Oh, that's so funny. I'll uh, I'll echo that score. Um, I do think it's a really i I think it's a really good I think it's a really really good example of Christian music. Yeah. Specifically because it doesn't do what bad Christian music does because bad Christian music is all about positivity. It's all about encouragement. It's all about um, it's all about not not uh, leaving your mind alone. Otherwise, you get depressed and sad. Uh, otherwise, you feel despair. This uh, this album engages with that. This album is uh, this album came out at a time when um, members of that community were enveloped in despair, and it was very obvious. Like the children's choir was from like South Chicago, like you said. Also, uh, all of the instruments on this album are too good for this earth oh yes and uh, they all ascended to heaven right after this this album wasn't even like well known in the chicago area though like this album didn't have a lot of popularity until it was reissued in 2010 by a seattle record company wow oh the whites stole it well they did a good thing this time at least they only boosted it they didn't steal it there we go <laughs> yeah but now it's real popular and deservingly so but with that said i think they're if you enjoy gospel music, you should definitely look up some of the other people I mentioned that were the originators, some of the people that were really in the groundwork of it, and not just a guy who wrote on the back of a popular trend at the time and made an album, even though yeah. it's very good. Yeah. Um, you should go back and listen to Rosetta Tharp and um, Retha Franklin's albums. Um, I think the name was Charles. Oh, I'm forgetting. I'm terrible at remembering names. But there's a lot of good artists who in the 20s and the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, they helped make it an industry um, where uh, that people could actually make money off of it and that people actually listened to it. This took people going around and touring even though they weren't wanted in places, even though they couldn't find a place to stay because no hotels would keep them because they're African-American, even though different clubs and stuff wouldn't let them in. Um, they're uh, having to perform, um, well, I don't know, I someone was saying they were they performed at the Cotton Club, which I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but that was a very popular club owned by a white man and only allowed to allowed white audience members, but had African-American entertainers. 
Mm. So a lot of complexity seems um, problematic. Yeah, yeah, a lot of complexity with the tradition of gospel because we have during this time people who um, African Americans who thought it was better to assimilate uh, that they would be more accepted and more liked if they acted more white, which meant acting less expressive and more emotionless in their worship of God. And then we have people. Mm. Gospel music has allowed African American to keep their enthusiasm, their tradition, and their culture up until today um, through their Christianity and their music. And it's a really amazing genre in that way, and it's really important in that way. And it's good that we're seeing people like Kanye West sampling this and um, like Chance the Rapper like keeping influences from gospel music and that um, people are still able to express themselves that way. And it's a, it, But you definitely need to listen to the people who were the ones going through all of that and who were the ones that made it what it is today. Okay. Y'all realize this makes shoegaze the whitest genre of music? <laughs> Yeah. I think we all knew that. Yeah. Shoegaze is whiter than country. Damn it. You believe it? Wow. Yeah. Country's very poppy now. That's I true. know. And don't forget people like Elvis Presley grew up going to uh, churches in Memphis where they played gospel music and he stole their style and he took the styles of African Americans and made it uh, marketable to white people. Damn, yeah. he, was, he was the original Vanilla Ice. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anna, so what's your score? Um, I would, yeah, definitely um, a couple Judases, um, mm. but 12. It's very good, but not without some, some baggage um, within its history and context. <laughs> wow. Uh, is this our first perfect or second perfect score? I don't know. Did we have we had a triple perfect before? Did <sighs> although what's more Christian than like a guy making a mistake and then being forgiven? You know, like in That's its true. roots, it, it's probably the most Christian type of music we can have is someone who's a con man, but also maybe genuine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would be, I would be really weirded out by this album if if this person was if Pastor T. L. Barrett was. Completely pure. Yeah. It wouldn't be the same album. Did we give Twinkie Clark all 12s? I think she might have got like 11 no Judases. Okay. But... Well, congratulations to Pastor T.L. Barrett and the Youth for Christ Choir on the very first solid gold, all 12s, all around, perfect 36. And welcome to the Fishers of Men Club also. Yep. I guess that's kind of like a little Club. bit less easy to get. Sure. Um, we need to send one track to Digital Heaven. We've got a playlist on Spotify <laughs> called Digital Heaven. Amazing. Which track? Probably the title track. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it just, it's perfect. So if one thing had to go, the perfect instruments, the perfect children's choir, or his perfect smooth voice, which would you say goes? I, w I would say the perfect instruments have to go. I'd get rid of the instruments, yeah, because, I, which is insane. Because you could just get, you could still get people to play instruments. They just wouldn't be that good. But it would add, it would, it would, he could still, it could still be sold as like an authentic, like, oh, the people in my church made this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like this cool, um, imperfect kind of cult classic now. This album is just so much better than when Life Church makes their annual Christmas album. Do they do that? 
yeah, so every, you know, every life church has their own, like, worship band, and then so they get different worship bands at different locations to, like, contribute mm. a song. And they're covered, or maybe some of them are original, but mostly they're covers. Christmas at Life Church is, like, a big deal. They always go, like, way, like, they do big things with the, the worship. They, they A lot of times they have drum-offs. They'll have, like, multiple drum kits, and they'll, Whoa. like, do competitions kind of on stage. It's actually pretty fun. Mm, a rump a pom of course. Mm-hmm. Huh. It is it is their God's birthday. I see why it's important. Yeah, I get it. Well, I think that's been podcast. Cool. I think we did it. Um, we, we got a few thank yous to say. Thank you to Jarvix for our intro theme. Thank you to Cameron Brewer for our outro theme, Holy Ghost Riding the Whip. Thank you to Wampus for our Toon Talk stinger. Thank you to Molly Devine for our Talk of the Walk stinger. Thank you, Good Trash Media, for... Uh, be in, be in our pod pod dads. Thank you, good trash. And thank you, Alex, for watching the ones and twos. Oh yeah, <laughs> glad to do it. Our uh, producer Jillian was indisposed this evening, so I, I had to watch him. And thank you, Anna, for coming. Where can we find you online? Great question. Um, just on Snapchat these days. Whoa. Hmm. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of off the social media. I'm trying to study. What's What's <laughs> like, your Snapchat? Um, I think it's still Anna Wintour Jr. Made it okay. a long-ass time ago, so. Gotcha. Well, cool. But I'm actually really good at Snapchat. If you want to watch a lot of videos and pictures of my dogs all day, yeah, it's the place to go. Have you thought People about like logging on to Instagram and doing it there? Videos and pictures of my dogs? Yeah. Hmm. I should do that. Consider yeah, because Instagram it. allows a story situation now. That's true. Uh, Consider it. Well, folks, that's been podcast. We, uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off the way that we always do with our catchphrase. Dammy, Danny. Is that it? Is it? Is our catchphrase <laughs> the new updated Damn Daniel? Dammy, Danny. Dammy, Danny. Dammy, Danny. This is bad. Okay, it's Damn Daniel Babies. <laughs> Dammy, Danny. 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 Dammy,